Are you an early stage founder looking to grow your SaaS? The SaaS Doc Founder Membership is a private community of ambitious SaaS founders where you can get a support network of peers, connect with like-minded founders around the globe, and learn proven strategies from industry experts to help you scale up your SaaS. If you want to get access to peer groups, investor meetings, mentor hours, and more to help you scale faster together, then visit sasdoccom forward slash founder hyphen membership to apply, or just go to sasdoccom and go up to the header menu and click on memberships. And even your application form, if it's right for you, mention the SAS Revolution show to apply for an exclusive discount. Find your SAS tribe and thrive with the SAS Doc Founder membership. This podcast is sponsored by G2, the place for buying, selling, and reviewing software. All audiences aren't built equally. Learn to connect with interested and engaged buyers at the right time with G2 Buyer Intent. Uncover who's researching your product so you know when to reach out and what to say. Sell more and close bigger deals by sending personalized messages directly to buyers ready to talk tech. G2, smarter software decisions made together. Join the community at www.sell.g2.com slash This podcast is sponsored by Chargeify. Chargeify provides specialized billing and data management tools to give B2B SaaS companies the competitive edge. Over the past 12 years, Chargeify has partnered with champions in SaaS like SpendSpark, Mailgun, Connect, and EarthClass Mail to streamline their billing processes, build and nurture lasting relationships with customers, and strategically optimize their organizations for long-term growth. Chargeify's innovative software empowers every B2B SaaS company to step into the future of billing. Visit chargeify.com forward slash SaaSdoc to learn more. Product-led growth is great, but then if you pour enterprise sales into it, it's just like, it's a rocket ship. So, and, and we didn't realize that early on, like, do we go to developers? Do we go to the enterprise? How, what is the angle, right? right. Um, and I think if you understand that, first of all, like, you have to build a product in a way, in my mind, that it's easy to use, it's easy to try, the pricing is transparent, it's an end-to-end experience that, again, we did it intuitively, but you have to be conscious about it and put a lot of effort and consciousness on it. And then, how do I go now to enterprise once I have a good product? I think that, like, the understanding is, is critical. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. As the subject uh, of the talk says, um, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about product-led growth and I really could not think of anyone better to speak to than Matthias. So, um, so, so welcome. Thank you. I'm Alex. I'm a partner at NXTP. We had the incredible privilege uh, of uh, being one of the very early checks into Auth0 uh, about eight years ago. Um, and it's been an, an incredible journey. And I think the list of things that Auth0 has gotten right over the years has just been, uh, is, is almost endless. So uh, we, we had to cut it down for this 20-minute for this chat. And I think there are two parts of the story, Matthias, that, that I'd like us to focus on uh, for, for the audience as well. 
you know, one of them being, um, I think what really characterizes all zero, you know, the developer centric uh, product that growth go to market strategy. And then I think the second point that is particularly germane to, to this uh, forum here in Latin America is the fact that you are Latin American founders, you were born in Latin America and that you you made it global and you've become a global company. So um, there are a, a ton of learnings that I would like to try and uh, share with the audience there um, today. So those are the two questions that we're going to be interweaving uh, during this conversation. But maybe just to, to set the stage a bit, Matthias, it would be it would be great if you could just briefly describe a little bit uh, about you know what All Zero does and, and the space that you operate in. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex, and thanks for, for having me. All uh, Zero is a, it's an authentication uh, infrastructure company. We we sell our service to companies who uh, have developers who are building or are doing digital transformation, who want to become a, a software company themselves. Uh, and uh, they are really busy working on doing that. And they don't want to spend time working on, on uh, allowing their users to enter their application securely and, and easy. And that's what we focus on. That's what we specialize on. We are 900 people today. Uh, we started in 2013, uh, have uh, more than 12,000 customers. And, uh, and 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 hundreds of millions in in, in revenue these days. Uh, so yeah, that's a kind of a summary of uh, what we do. That's that's great. Um, I, I want to take us back just a little bit to the to the early days uh, of Auth Zero. And um, as early stage investors ourselves in, in SaaS companies, I think the two issues that we um, help founders and we speak to founders with a lot, uh, kind of early decisions that they make in their business. And this is a this is a two part question. The first part is. When you're starting off a SaaS business, you know, in Latin America, um, how do you decide whether you know, you want to be a regional SaaS company or uh, or whether you want to go out and, and compete globally? And then the second part of the question is, if you do decide to go out and compete globally, like All Zero did, you know, what what are some of the, the what is the best way to organize that expansion? Do you have some some advice on that? Yeah. So yeah, I think it, it really depends on the on the market and the type of company uh, you're you're building. Um, in our case, we, you know, authentication is a global problem, right? Like any, every application in the world, no matter the industry, no matter the, the, the region, the, the geo, you have to solve for this problem, right? So, so that's kind of like the first dimension. Uh, to be honest with you, we were not like, when we started, we were not like, oh yeah, let's conquer the world with this idea. <laughs> like it's super global, like let's do it. Um, and but we realized quickly that 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 could be the case because and that's kind of like coming back to the, the first point the market the market was still early um but kind of at the right exactly the right time in retrospect uh because there was no other company doing what we were doing for developers right so i think if you decide going global the first thing to realize is okay can it like how's the market looking right now from a timing standpoint um is is it the you know, is there a place for me to do something global? Because of course, if you, if you can do it global, then you just, you have to do it, right? Is maybe there are other companies. And in fact, in, in our case, there was another company that was doing something like this, but we thought that it was not, you know, the best uh, way to solve the problem. So, so we, we were not super conscious about it, but kind of the market pulled us in that direction in a way. Um, the fact that my co-founder also lives in the US makes, make, made that uh, kind of a more, uh, easy uh, route because 
we started talking to customers in the US as well. Um, and, and kind of to, to piggyback on the second question, uh, you know, how, what is the best way to organize expansion? Um, the first deal that we had, enterprise deal that we had, was in Latin America. Um, and, and that was a great anchor for us to show that we can sell to enterprises. It doesn't matter if it's Latin America, you know, whatever. It's an enterprise. And, and enterprises are complex. And if you can prove that you can sell to those uh, companies, then that is a reference, right? And, and that is the anchor that you can use later on to continue selling uh, um, uh, outside Latin America. In fact, I, ha I had a call with a company uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know they started in Latin America, but they, like they started to get pulled from the U.S. Um, and you know that's exactly like I, you should just follow that that uh, pull, right? Like you know, there's nothing better. And and the other thing is like how you, you know, how you then uh, back up that pull with maybe VCs also that can help uh, with uh, with an expansion in, in the U.S. I would say that. If you can expand to the US, that's the ideal uh, market. Europe is, is great as well. We, we started first in the US, but quickly got pulled as well into Europe and quickly also into, into Australia. Those are kind of good markets to that are like, uh, uh, for us, they were like good early adopters of our software. Yeah, that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the way you describe it, that you're getting pulled into these markets is is really interesting. And um, you know, my next question is a little bit about obviously your, your go-to-market strategy and your product-led growth um, motion that you used. And could you maybe describe some, you know, describe that very briefly to the audience and maybe the role that it played in you becoming global and, and being pulled into these markets, how that, how that helped you do that? Yeah, you know, it, was, it was key because the fact that like someone from Australia would send us uh, uh, an email or like a, a form field you know, like I wouldn't, I would never have imagined that, right? Um, but that was clearly because we we've done a great content marketing job. Early on, uh, we spent or, or we invested in creating. You know, we had we had a, a, a DevRel in our case, a developer relations person. This person started writing blog posts about um, you know solving problems for developers, a variety of problems. Um, and of course, related to authentication, not related to our product, but related to authentication. Um, and of course, you know, the moment that, the, that those developers would read that blog post, they would realize that we actually solve authentication. It was a great, you know, top of the funnel for us for 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 signups. Uh, and that was like the 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 thing that ended up pull, pulling us in all these these this places. Like, yeah, these people were like just developers that were. Uh, living anywhere and trying to solve their problem and found our product as a way to do it. Um, and, and there was also a, a, a key, another key aspect of it was that they could try it without us being involved in the process. Um, and, and, and of course, you know, there's all sorts of benefits. And in a way, I mean, for, for us, it was kind of intuitive to do that. But in a lot of cases, when you think about like, you know, I'm doing, and this is a product for enterprises at the end of the day, right? So the the playbook, you would think about this, well, you know, I would put like a contact us or like book a demo button in my website and they will come, right? And, and they, I will sell to enterprises. Well, that's, I think that's a, that's a big mistake. Um, these days, I mean, it's, it's been happening for a while, but 
the, the ability for anyone, and especially practitioners who are like these days, the ones who are driving decisions in, in organizations, they can just look at what you do very clearly, very transparently, try it out, actually make it work. And then that becomes the, you know, like a downhill conversation from there, right? So, so that was kind of our playbook in, in from the early days. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, today we, we talk so much about product-led growth and I think it is such a, uh, there's a lot more information about it and there's playbooks written about it, but I think you guys were really pioneers and in, in doing something that was intuitive to you and, and it, it, it turned out, um, you know, you've had, you've had tremendous success with that, but you know, maybe one of the challenges uh, around that as you get kind of pulled into these different or as you know, a different clients start using your products, um, you know, you might be uh, you might be uh, serving, you know, an SMB or you might be serving someone at an enterprise that has started to use your product. So, you know, how did you initially um, decide who your core client was? Because I, I would imagine that, the, you know, lots of different people using it and with different functionalities and different needs. So how did you organize that and how did you decide who the core client was in that PLG motion? Yeah, so so th that was a struggle. The, the first year, like 2013, we started with kind of like from an angle of like, let's solve this problem for the developer, right? Forget about any segment, like this is the problem that developers have. Um, what, what started happening is that, well, we had that developers actually using us, but for hobby, you know, hobby projects, like side projects, paying us maybe $20 a month. <laughs> and we quickly started doing the, 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 the math and like, you know, we, we're not going to make it with this. We will need, you know, a huge amount of developers buying us if we want to, you know, live from, you know, from this. And, and, and remember, we, we didn't, we don't raise money uh, back, back then yet. Right. So that constraint also like help us like, okay, well, we need to find a way to sell to companies. Um, and, and, and you know how we go from developers to the enterprise, right? That's so, um, and, and I guess like we had a lucky strike there with, with our first deal, um, which was an insurance company. And it was, I would say like uh, in the enterprise kind of end of a spectrum, you know, big company, Latin American company. Um, and, uh, and that experience of selling to, the, to that, that, that company was so enriching um it essentially allowed us to see okay well this is this is a play that we should follow there were developers inside that company and software architects inside that company that liked our solution that tried the solution as i said like they, they made it work we didn't they liked that transparency um and we learned from them a lot of the the key requirements that uh, that uh, enterprises uh, would ask for right so uh, as an example like they had a all sorts of like last mile integration uh, type of um, requirements connect with this thing, connect with this other thing that allowed us to uh, figure out or that, that led us to figure out how, how we would solve for those use cases early on. Right. Um, and, and we knew that like our segment from, from then on, you know, would be these companies who have some complexity in their organization. And, and it wouldn't be like the you know the, the kind of point and click SMB uh, you know type of type of uh, customer that would that, that would spend like one one to two thousand dollars a year. We we knew that like the the type of company that we would target is like the one that that can spend 
twenty to one hundred k a year, uh, and and that that ended up like starting uh, that ended up becoming um, our uh, our kind of contract size is like sixty k yeah. a year, um, and 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 our biggest contract you know might be like two millions a year later on, right? So. Um, so we, you know, again, we got pulled into that market because of, of what we were solving as well. We are at, at its core, this is an integration glue type of problem, right? Um, infrastructure, right? So, so sure. that that was one of like the the pull. So just a, maybe just a, a follow up question to that. So you you enter the organization through the developers. What is the right way to think about it that you then kind of layer on like an enterprise sales team once you've already penetrated the organization, or how do you start making the enterprise sale? So for us, again, like first year it was like we did all ourselves, um, and it, it was key to do that as well. Uh, kind of like understanding the dynamics. Ejonio, Ejonio, my my co-founder was acting as like the sales engineer and the account manager at the same time. Of course, a lot of relationship based. I was all the doing all the, the, the technical side of the day. We had to fly, you know, those days to the, to the, to the company several times, convince them that, you know, we were serious about this. Um, and, uh, and so that was like the first one, right? So you have to do that. You have to do that yourself. I think it's very important to learn how to sell your product in this way. And then next year, after we raised this initial seed round, um, we hired like our first salesperson. But this wasn't our VP of sales. It, it, it was our, uh, it was a, like a great sales uh, person um, that, together with Eugenio, they would do like the, the duo that would go to every account. Eugenio would do like the, the magic, and then the the guy uh, would, would do the, the whole follow up and like the relationship building, understanding how the organization works, the dynamics and blah, 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 right? So that was kind of how we started, like, 2014. Once we raised the Series A in May 2015, that was the, the and we got to, like, a million ARR. That was kind of the mark. Um, that's when we started looking for a VP of sales uh, that would build the, the machinery in a way, right? Like, the, the whole end-to-end thing. Now that makes that makes a lot of sense, uh, Matthias. We have about three minutes left, so so one last question, um, and I think I'd like to I'd like to um, kind of get your perspective. It, what and, and the question is, what would you um, what do you know today about PLG and about building a PLG company and going global that you wish you had known, you know, in two thousand and thirteen and two thousand fourteen when you when you were just getting started? What advice would you give other founders today that are just getting started? Right today, there is much more information about how to. There wasn't like this wasn't called product-led growth or anything. Like we 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 kind of did it intuitively. I don't know why, but maybe because of this developer do-it-yourself type of attitude to everything. <laughs> but um, but these days there is a lot of you know like this 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 talking on itself, right? Like there is a lot of information of how to build that, this type of company. I wish I would know. I would have known. Everything that we did intuitively, like okay, what's the actual playbook that I can I, I can read about? Um, you know, but then was like the whole lean startup movement and like which was kind of like starting to become the thing, but it was like a, a lot about like vanity metrics versus not. And um I think that the the the, the, the critical thing if you are doing progress growth and, and but you want to uh also become a, a, a very profitable company and 
successful company, maybe not profitable, is um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's how to layer like the, the enterprise sales aspect of it. Because it's true that like product -like growth is great, but then if you if you if you pour enterprise sales into it, it's just like <laughs> it's a rocket ship. So um, and and we didn't realize that early on, like as I was saying, like, you know, do we go to developers? Do we go to the enterprise? How, what is the angle? Right. Right. Um, and I think if you understand that, first of all, like you have to build a product in a way, in my mind, that it's easy to use. It's easy to try. The pricing is transparent. It's an, it's an end to an experience that again, we did, we did it intuitively, but, but you have to, you have to be conscious about it and, and, uh, and, and and put a lot of effort and consciousness on, on it, and then, okay, how do you how do I go now to enterprise once I have a good product, right? Sure. Because the good product is not enough. That's the thing, right? Like it, it it's okay, it's it's great, but we will have sold to developers paying twenty dollars a month, and we will have haven't made to the to the point that we are today, right? So, so I think that like the understanding is is critical. Absolutely. Matias, unfortunately, we, we're up against time. Um, I did want to thank you once again for your time and uh, uh, great chatting. And um, I wish you uh, all the you know the best of luck in this in this new chapter of Osir. We we look forward to, uh, to to seeing a lot more successes and uh, and best of luck to you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.